Welcome to our 41st class. We'll review question 40 and then learn question 41 together. Before we do, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this Sunday. Thank you for time to come together with our brothers and sisters, our church family, and worship with them. So to bring you praise and glory and then to be ministered by you and by your Holy Spirit and by your people. So we pray that you'd begin now as we start this class to teach us what you would want us to be taught today and help us to know you more so that we would love you more, love others more, love your word more. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Okay, how about a couple questions for review? Let's say them together on this topic of prayer, which we're still in. Question 38 asks, what is prayer? And let's say the answer together. Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. Question 39 asks, with what attitude should we pray with love, perseverance, and gratefulness in humble submission to God's will, knowing that for the sake of Christ, He always hears our prayers? So that brings us to question 40, what we were memorizing this past week. It asks, what should we pray? Let's say the whole thing together. The whole Word of God directs and inspires us in what we should pray, including the prayer Jesus himself taught us. Hey, Brady, would you shut that back door into our next question? Because the very end of that question answers, including the prayer Jesus himself taught us. So question 41 is, what is the Lord's prayer? What is the prayer that Jesus taught us? So let's say this together. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this is a quote pretty much from Matthew chapter six. Let me read you these verses, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's going to give them this prayer as a model to pray. But first, he says these words. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. So it's about them. It's about being watched and considered as uh, someone who's holy and good and prays well. Just don't, don't do that. Okay, that's a tree. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father, who is in secret. Now, he doesn't mean that every time you pray and the only time you can pray is if you find a room and you go in and you shut the door. His point is he's comparing that to those who are praying not to commune with God, but more to impress other people. He's saying, don't do that. 
Uh, and your fa- when you do that, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So it's about your Father and your relationship with Him and Him listening, not other people. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So when we pray, this is not something where we're also not trying to impress God with our words and how well-spoken we are and how, how many big theological words we can use and string together at once. It's not, a, it's not about that. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So God already knows what you should be praying for. He already knows what your needs are. He already knows what your desires are. He's going to carry out a good plan for you. So you go to him knowing that he knows these things with confidence. Pray then like this. And so this is what Jesus tells us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some of you know more words, don't you? It's hard to stop there. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, if you have an English Standard Version, that's actually not even in the English Standard Version. If you have a New American Standard Version, it's uh, in brackets, I think. And if you have a King James Version or a New King James Version or I believe the New International Version, it includes that because those translations primarily used uh, a different manuscript than the ESV used and the NASB used. So it's questionable whether or not that phrase was part of the original text. So that's why the ESV leaves that off. So we're just going to stick with what we're, what we're sure about. And we're going to work through this together and see how this really is a concise prayer that covers all the bases that are good to cover when you pray. Let me read you a couple things Martin Luther said. He said, though I am a sinner and unworthy, yet I have the command of God that tells me to pray. And his promise that he will graciously hear me. That's what Jesus just taught us in Matthew 6. Not, he hears me not because of my worthiness, but rather for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, especially since he has placed before you and put into your mouth the words how and what you are to pray for so that. You joyously send up these prayers through him and can lay them in his heart that he may lay them by his own worthiness before the father. That's why at the end of every prayer, we really should say what in whose name in Jesus name this prayer is going through Jesus. It's on the basis of his greatness and his worthiness, not mine and his relationship through which I have a relationship to God the Father. The other commentator in the catechism was Juan Sanchez, and he calls this the Lord's model prayer. It is the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. 
And he goes through, I'd encourage you to read it later, and breaks down all the different parts, which is what we'll do now. So the first part of the prayer is, is the address to God. Our Father in heaven. The word our is important. We're not only children. Right? God has many adopted sons and daughters. So He's not just my Father. He's our Father. He's my Father in heaven. He's your Father in heaven. He's the Father in heaven of any and every Christian who's ever lived. And He is our Father. This is an amazing thought. The God who created everything created the universe, is all-powerful, is all-knowing, we're to refer to Him and see Him as our Father. Not our earthly Father, but our Father who is where? Our Father who is in heaven. Because He's our Father, we know that He wants to lead us like a good Father. He wants to provide for us like a good Father. He wants to care for us and to protect us. So it is knowing that about Him that we bring all of our requests to him. So that's how we address God. Our Father in heaven, Jesus says, hallowed be your name, which means hallowed means greatly revered, greatly respected. Your name is great. You are great. You are worthy of all respect and all reverence. That's our desire. We want him to be honored and glorified and revered in all the world. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Your kingdom, so he's not only our Father, he's also a what if he has a kingdom. He's a king. And we're praying that your kingdom would come, your will be done, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So think about that. How do you think God's will is done in heaven? Do you think in heaven people are deciding whether or not they want to obey God or follow his will or serve him or reject him? Or Is that going on in heaven? That's obviously not going on in heaven. So what we're praying is that God's will would be done perfectly, perfectly on earth. That more and more and more would honor him and respect him and love him and serve him. So may your kingdom come, your will be done, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we pray this, give us today our daily bread. Now, I suspect that this is one of the most neglected things Christians don't pray for. But here is Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. And what is this prayer? This is asking God to provide for our daily needs, even down to our food. Do we pray for that? Or do we take that for granted? I mean, I don't wake up. I don't wake up, thank God. I don't wake up wondering where my next meal is going to come from, right? I don't wake up wondering, you know, where am I going to get fresh water to drink today? Where am I going to get food to eat today? I mean, especially for me. I mean, my wife makes and cooks everything. It just shows up. 
Like good food is just always showing up everywhere. There's just always something to there's always something to eat. I mean, we're never we're never without. And I'm I'm guessing that most of you, that's the same for you. And so we can easily take that for granted. If we do, then we're forgetting that ultimately the reason that I have my daily needs met, ultimately it's not because my wife feeds me. It's ultimately because God has been good and gracious. I mean, he's given me a wife. He has given me a home. He has given me resources. He has given me this country. He has caused me to be born in the 21st century and on and on and on and on. And I know that there are many today who will not have their daily needs met. And so the gratitude and the thankfulness always needs to go to God. And we should continue to ask him just because he always has provided something for us doesn't mean he's obligated to always provide us with that. And so we should pray. And so we say, give us today our daily bread. And then this. Forgive us our debts, or some of you memorized what other word? Trespasses or sins. Forgive us, God, uh, and, and forgive us as we also have forgiven our debtors. So there's an assumption there. The assumption is that when we're asking God to forgive us, what have we already done? We've already forgiven others. I mean, Jesus says that elsewhere. He says, you, that must be happening. Like, if you're not forgiving others, why would you think that God would forgive you? If you're not willing to extend the forgiveness to others that God has extended to you, do you really love Jesus? Do you really believe the gospel? Those kinds of questions. So the assumption here is that we are walking in forgiveness. And we're asking God to help us. Help us to walk in forgiveness both extending forgiveness and receiving it. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And here's another one that can easily be overlooked. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, the, the prayer there is protect us from evil plans against us. I mean, don't forget, we have a great enemy. And that enemy prowls around, Peter says, like a roaring lion, looking for Christians to devour. It's a frightening, and it's meant to be a frightening image. We might also take this for granted. Every day that I don't fall into this sin, or I don't fall into that sin, or every day where uh, I, maybe I overcome this temptation or the next day I'm able to overcome that temptation and I, I haven't been given over to my sin or I haven't been handed over to my sin and it could be much worse than it is. All of that is ultimately because of who? Because of God. What has He been doing? He's been protecting you. He's been keeping you. He's been watching over you. And so we should be prayerful about that. He is, again, not obligated to do those things. But he does because he's our loving father. So, God, keep us. Lead us not. Lead us out away. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Because we know if God does not do this, we're toast. So, there really are, it really is. A, it's very short. But this is a deep 
prayer. It's a deep prayer. And it covers a lot. It covers the bases that, that we should look to cover when we're praying to God. So we talk about praising God and thanking Him. That's in here. We talk about confessing our sin to God and saying sorry to God. That's in here. We talk about asking God for help. That's, of course, in here. But it's in here specifically as well as a couple areas that we can very easily, as Christians who live, relatively speaking, unprecedented, comfortable lives, we can easily take for granted. So we, we pray in the morning. God, will you provide for my needs today? Provide for my needs today. You always have. You've been so faithful. But please continue. Provide for my needs today. And at the end of the day, thank you, God. Thank you for providing my needs again today. God, help me today. Deliver me from any wicked plans against me. Help me to resist temptation. Help me to overcome sin. Help me to honor you in all that I do. And at the end of the day, right? It's not, it's not this. It's not a good job if it, if it goes well. It's God, thank you. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for getting me out of that. Thank you that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. And thank you for your, your guidance and your leadership in my life. Okay, let's say it one more time together. What is the Lord's Prayer? Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this simple and profound prayer that your son has taught us to pray would you show us where we might be neglecting this prayer keep us mindful God of how dependent we are on you so that we would come to you more often and with more sincerity and pray like this to you and even this we pray and we do it in Jesus' name, amen.